Welcome, welcome, welcome here to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I will be going through the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some pretty great music along the way. So I've been off for a little while considering that winter semester just ended, but I will be on the air throughout the spring and summertime here on CMRU.ca, just like I was a year ago. And I'll get to talk about all kinds of epic sporting moments, just because there always tend to be, especially during this time of the year, there's the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, UEFA Champions League, and last year there was the FIFA World Cup, and this year, even though there might not be a tournament quite as prestigious as that one. Certainly the FIFA Women's World Cup and the Copa America 2019 should be very fun to watch and talk about on air. So definitely stay tuned all summer, all spring and summer long because I will be on the air and just doing what I do, which is having lots of fun talking about sports. So as for today, because there's a lot I missed, I elected to narrow things down just because if I wanted to talk about everything that I wanted to, I'd be here for about three hours. So I'm going to talk about the NBA playoffs round one, the NHL playoffs round one, and I also have a massive Calgary Flame segment to get to because I am a little upset about how the team performed in the postseason. And that was actually going to originally be my starting off topic today, was I was going to talk about the Calgary Flames. But there was something that happened yesterday that I think is worth starting with, and that is the UEFA Champions League semifinal between Liverpool and Barcelona. Liverpool ended up winning over two legs, 4-3 on aggregate. They lost the first game 3-0, only to rebound and win 4-0 and advance to the Champions League final for the second year in a row. One of the greatest comebacks in Champions League history, bar none, for sure. So I'm going to start with this one. Now, there's kind of two main reactions to this game that I saw anyway. And that was, one reaction was, Barcelona was terrible, they did nothing right, their defending was some of the worst ever, like, all that kind of stuff, you know, bashing Barcelona, which... In fairness, some of that is very true. And then the other main take is that Liverpool are playing like the best team in the world. They're unbelievable. And again, that's also partially true, but it's kind of a mix of both. And the one thing that I think isn't getting enough attention, because I know Barcelona, I get it. Their defending was terrible. But that wasn't the main reason I think they lost this game. I think the main reason was really their lack of goal scoring. And I'll explain what I mean. So... In this game, it was a little bit of a reverse from what happened in the very first game. In the first game, when Barcelona won 3-0 at home, they, I think, were slightly outplayed in that match. I think Liverpool controlled a little more of the play. But the difference was, when Liverpool got their goal-scoring opportunities, they missed the net or hit the post or got stopped. And Barcelona, when they got their goal-scoring opportunities, buried them right into the back of the net. In this game... It was the opposite. Barcelona had four really good scoring opportunities. Didn't score a single one. And if they would have scored that one away goal, they probably would have gone through. In fact, it's probably very likely that they would have gone through because Liverpool would have needed five goals at that point in order to advance. 
but they didn't get that goal. They had Philip Coutinho had a really good chance at the top of the box. His shot was stopped. And in fairness to Coutinho, it isn't an easy chance just because he would have needed to put it perfectly into one of the corners, either near post or far post. But, and Allison, in fairness, Liverpool goalkeeper Allison was really well positioned on that to make the save. But even still, a player of Coutinho's caliber probably should be putting those away more often than he's not. Luis Suarez got sent in on a partial breakaway. He got also stopped, and Suarez was one of the players who scored in the first game. But partial breakaway in this game, couldn't put it in. And that was a big missed opportunity. Or even Jordi Alba. Although, in, de- in Jordi Alba's defense, he is a defender. And goal scoring isn't exactly his number one trait. But he certainly had a more than capable goal scoring opportunity. Couldn't put it in. Allison again, played really well for Liverpool in goal. I think all those, all those three chances were really good. But the biggest missed opportunity was Barcelona had a four-on-one and couldn't score. A four-on-one. Four attackers versus one defender. That should never end up in anything that isn't a goal. Because you can just pass it amongst yourselves and then tap it in. But no, Barcelona waited with the ball too long, passed it to Messi, who waited with it for too long and got tackled. They had four-on-one and couldn't score. And that would have been the difference. So, I think Barcelona, as much as people want to get mad at the defending and mad at Ter Stegen, because, yeah, Ter Stegen should have stopped the second goal, but it was about the offense. The offense had four really good goal-scoring opportunities. They needed one to go in. One out of four. And with the players on their team, it should have been a no-brainer. But it wasn't. And that allowed Liverpool to make the epic comeback. Barcelona, by the way, this is now the second year in a row that they have blown a three-goal lead after the first leg into the second leg. Last year, Roma made the improbable comeback out of nowhere. That was really special. And then Liverpool this year making the comeback out of seemingly nowhere. And Liverpool did it, by the way, too, without two of their best players. Mohamed Salah was injured. He got hurt on the weekend playing in the Premier League against Newcastle. And then Roberto Firmino has been dealing with injuries throughout the last few weeks. So neither one of them played for Liverpool, but they still found a way. And that, I think, is a testament to how well Liverpool played. Because I want to give tons of credit to Liverpool. I don't just want this to be Barcelona were bad. No, Liverpool were really good, especially the midfield three in the second half. I'm talking about Jordan Henderson, Wijnaldum, and... Fabinho. Fabinho, by the way, I think really low-key may have been the best player on the field for Liverpool yesterday. Just because he really was dominant. He really was. And he doesn't get all the praise because he didn't score the goals or get the assists. But he was putting in the tackles. He was winning the ball back, helping keep possession. Like, that center defensive midfield role is so important, especially in a team like Liverpool's. Because they really need that. But of course, the game-winning goal is one I want to do a little bit of a deep dive on because this was a true moment of genius, which I know is my show name, but it really was. And this was just a thing of brilliance. So Liverpool get a corner kick and Trent Alexander-Arnold is standing behind the ball and he starts walking away from the ball. 
because Jordan Shakiri is going to come over and take it. So Barcelona, and I- I'm not going to let them come unscathed from this goal, their defending was unbelievably lazy on this. They did not communicate. They did not pick up anybody. There was no communication. There was no leadership. There was nothing, and that was really poor. But even still, Liverpool did an exceptional job here, especially Alexander-Arnold, because I know this looked like a play, a really fast corner, that has been practiced on the practice ground. It really did. Like, I think Jurgen Klopp has been like training these guys and getting them to practice fast corners all season. Because it looked like Alexander-Arnold knew exactly what to do in this situation, where he looked at the defense, saw the opening, and he's like, I'm going to go take this. Because while he's walking away from the ball, he stops, turns back, and whips in a cross for Diva, um, for Dival Corrigi, and Origi puts it into the top corner. Nobody even near him. There is, and I'm going to count here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Barcelona players, not the goalkeeper, in the box. None of them picked up Origi. There was only one other Liverpool player in the box. Eight against two. And they couldn't mark him because they were too lazy. And they thought Alexander-Arnold was walking away from the ball. And in the end, no. He tricked everybody because Shakiri was coming over looking like he was going to take the corner. And Alexander-Arnold walked away, stopped, turned, and then whipped in the cross. And Origi wide open. And I don't care what level striker you are in the sport of soccer or football you're gonna bury that chance right in front of the net because it was a point blank opportunity a striker's dream let's just say that a striker's dream because they dream about moments like that where they can have the ball right in front of them inside around the six yard box and it was just it it was a genius move and a brilliant play by Liverpool but it was just Horribly lazy by Barcelona because there was eight players in the box. There was two for Liverpool. And Origi burying the ball with a nice little side foot finish into the top corner. And that was the difference. That was the game-winning goal right there. 4 nothing Liverpool, and they advance into the Champions League final. They fully deserve it. And I think for Barcelona, there has to be a lot of head-scratching going on right now because this team should have won the game. They should have. They were up 3-0 after they won at home in the first game. They lost 4-0 on the road. And they've really struggled away from home. Outside of the Camp Nou, Barcelona have not been a very good football team. And they really... Something needs to change in the summer. I'm not sure if that means a managerial change just because... I'm not sure how much of this you can really put on Ernesto Valverde, but something definitely has to change this summer for Barcelona because this is an experienced team that should know how to win but are finding ways to lose right now. For Liverpool, though, maybe there there is a possibility of a double. I'm not sure how likely that is considering the circumstances they currently have because they're a little bit up against it in the Premier League, but... Certainly, the UEFA Champions League final, I think Liverpool will be the betting favorite in this game. And if they, especially if they can get their players back, if they can get Salah back, if they can get Firmino back and healthy, 
I think Liverpool should be the favorite. And maybe this year will be the redemption year. Because it was so unfortunate last year in the Champions League final when Liverpool got all the way there and Salah had been carrying them. He was playing like the best player on the planet. And then Sergio Ramos injures him. And it looked very purposeful in that game, by the way. But that's a whole nother discussion. But I, I really... I'm not a Liverpool supporter, but I would love to see that redemption from Mohamed Salah in a big game like the UEFA Champions League final. Anyway, that's all I have to say about the Champions League semifinal. I'll get to the Tottenham IX1 in a future show. But for right now, I'm going to turn it over to my first music break of the day. I have two songs. The first one is USS with Ying Yang, and the second one is Guns N' Roses and Welcome to the Jungle. CMRU.ca. Bye, students. For you.
all your old music is boring. Experience the new world of radio from Mount Royal University. CMRU.ca broadcasts online 24-7. 365. And talk it up like, yeah. CMRU.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. I'm into now my second segment of the day, and that is breaking down what happened to the Calgary Flames. Because I'm not going to lie, I was quite upset, pretty upset, not, not going to lie. It was very unfortunate what happened to them. But anyway, the first thing I want to do is give credit where credit is due. Because again, it's not all Calgary being awful, it's Colorado were really good in this series. Nathan McKinnon, he's if he wasn't a top three player in hockey, he certainly is right now. Miko Rantanen was just absolutely dominant when he finally was over his injury because he came into the series nursing an injury, but then it took him a couple games, and then he started just absolutely dominating Calgary. Tyson Berry, um, I think, also played really well. For Colorado, among others, I mean, they had some unsung heroes like Matt Nieto and like guys like that. But it was really, I think, those three, Barry, Rantanen, and McKinnon. Like Landis Cog, too. I can't dismiss what he did. He played really well. I just think McKinnon and Rantanen played at a different level, like a much higher level than what Landis Cog did against the Flames. And, yeah, ultimately, I mean, Colorado... They played really well. They fully, fully deserve to go through into the next round. The Flames did not. And I have (laughs) quite a lot to say about that, but I'm going to start in goal, actually, with the positive. Mike Smith was really good, and that really surprised me. Mike Smith, I think, was the biggest question mark for a lot of Flames fans heading into the series with Colorado. He erased any doubt of his worthiness of being in goal with a game one shutout in a 4-0 win for Calgary. Smith was also just straight up outstanding throughout the series. He really was. And there are very few goals in this series that I think you could legitimately look at and say, yeah, okay, Mike Smith probably should have done a little better. There was maybe like two in this series that maybe, okay, Smith probably should have saved. But other than that, like he bailed out this team so much. And the only reason the other games were close was because of Mike Smith. Like, he really was that good. And it's really funny. I didn't think Smith would be this good, but he found the fountain of youth because this looked like 2012 Mike Smith as opposed to the 2019 Mike Smith that Flames fans had been seeing all regular season. So, good for Smith, first of all. I, I want to say that he he's a good guy. Like... I know Flames fans, a lot of them were giving him a hard time throughout the regular season because he was playing really poorly, and to some degree, rightfully so, but Mike Smith is a guy that, like, when you watch him, you know, he's a guy who really hates losing, and he's definitely, I think, one of those players that's his own harshest critic, and that can be hard sometimes when you're not playing well, but in fairness to him... He found the mental strength that he needed to rebound, get past that bad run of form, and play like the best player on the team in the postseason, even though it was only for the five games. 
Okay, now on to the really bad stuff. Specifically, I'm looking at five guys. Because I think, obviously, you win as a team, you lose as a team. There's not a single game or a single team that loses because of one individual 100% of a reason, anyway. So, for Calgary, obviously, you win as a team, you lose as a team. But there are five players who I think deserve most of the blame. Not all of it, because again, team sport, but most of it. Those five players are the guys who were supposed to be the best five players on this team. I'm looking at Matthew Kachuk, Sean Monahan, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, and Mark Giordano. Matthew Kachuk, these were his stats in the series. He actually played well in Game 1. I will give Kachuk some credit. In Game 1, he was good. He had two goals. The rest of the series, he had one assist in four games. For a guy who had over 70 points. Sean Monahan had 82 points in 82 games this regular season. Actually, sorry, a little bit less than 82 games because he sat out the last couple. But he had 82 points, a little over a point per game. He had one goal in this series. He, had one that, he also had one assist, but I'm not going to count that because that was a meaningless assist. The team was losing like 6-1 in game three, and then he assisted on the goal that made it 6-2. Yay. Do you want a medal for that? Like that, that assist didn't mean anything. That goal didn't mean anything. The game was over by that point. Johnny Gaudreau. This guy had 99 points in the regular season. 99 points in 82 games. Gaudreau actually did play 82 games. He had one assist. For a guy who had 99 points in 82 games in the regular season, had one assist. One point in five games. Just unacceptable. Complete, completely unacceptable. It was a horrific choke job. I can't sugarcoat that in any other way. It was a choke job by Goudreau especially. But all five of these players are certainly worthy of criticism. Elias Lindholm had one goal, one assist. He, again, had over 70 points in the regular season. Two points in five games. Mark Giordano had two assists in this series. He, again, had over 70 points. And Mark Giordano is the likely Norris Trophy winner for best defenseman in the NHL this season but he was terrible in this postseason. These five players were supposed to be Calgary's best players. And, you know, there's a saying in sports that your best players have to be your best players. There's a reason for that, and it's because if your best players aren't your best players, then that's a problem because that means that the depth guys have to do too much to make up for that. And for these Five players, Giordano, Lindholm, Goudreau, Monaghan, Kachuk, they just weren't anywhere near good enough, anywhere even close to what they were in the regular season. There was a stat that Sportsnet had, and this is amazing, but it kind of sums up what the series was like for the Flames. So Colorado's big three up front, Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, and... Nathan McKinnon. They had 21 points between the three players. The entire Calgary Flames forward group, all lines, like this is including the Goudreau line, the Backlund line, the Jankowski line, the Derek Ryan line, 17 points. 
Colorado had three players get more points than the entire Flames forward roster. You're, you're not going to win series like that. You're not going to win like that. It's terrible. And, like, I, I don't know how to put this in proper context because it's just terrible. It's just awful and an absolute collapse by the team that was number one in the West in the regular season. And they just were terrible in this game. Not to be... <laughs> moving on on the criticism train. <laughs> Not to be anything um, overlooked, I should say. Not to be overlooked. Bill Peters, the Flameside coach, I think also deserves a good portion of criticism. Because... It doesn't take a hockey genius to see that TJ Brody was really struggling out there. He was probably the worst player on the ice for the first four games. Brody played well in game five, but for the first four games of the series, he was probably the worst player on the ice. And yet, he continued to get top minutes. He was not seeing, like, he did not see his minutes get reduced, and he didn't even get benched. Calgary had a lot of defensemen. I don't know if you saw that, but the Flames had like 10 healthy defensemen on the back line that they could have played. And for some reason, Bill Peters insisted on keeping TJ Brody in the lineup. The other guy he insisted on keeping in the lineup was James Neal, who contributed a grand total of zero helpful things to this team in the postseason. And that pretty much sums up James Neal's entire year. And I really hope he can turn it around next year because Calgary cannot trade that contract. It is too bad right now. So Bill Peters, I think, certainly deserves a portion of the blame just because Brody should have been benched after that awful Game 2 performance, if not the Game 3 performance. And then James Neal should have been benched. Like, Austin Zarnick, I don't know why he didn't get to play. Zarnick was really good for the Calgary Flames down the stretch. He's fast, and he would have brought, I think, more energy to the team. And I know Zarnick played in Game 5 and didn't do a whole lot, but that's because he played, like, five minutes of ice time. Like, if you're going to bring in Zarnick, don't just, like, play him for five minutes. No, give him some ice time. I don't know. That's a whole big, long discussion. But anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say. Calgary was terrible. Colorado was great. Fully deserving of going through. But this is going to be more or less the same team that comes back next year for the Flames. And I know Monaghan is good in the play. I know Monaghan can be good in the playoffs. He proved that two years ago when he scored four goals in four games and was the Flames' best player in the loss to the Ducks. Johnny Goudreau in his rookie season was really good in the playoffs. And I really hope he can find some of that going forward. Kachuk is a little concerning because two years ago he was a rookie, so I'm not going to fault him for not playing that well in the playoffs. It was his first time there. But this was pretty bad. This was the time for Kachuk to shine. Didn't do it. I hope he can change the narrative next season. Elias Lindholm, his first time in the playoffs. Again, I hope he learns from that and can just be better next time. Giordano, I hope he transfers some of that regular season energy into playoff energy next time because I would much rather see him be a Conn Smythe candidate in the playoffs than a Norris candidate in the regular season. But anyway, that's 
pretty much all I have to say about the Calgary Flames. It's an unfortunate end to the season, but certainly hopefully they can learn from this and build on it for next year. Anyway, coming up in the second half hour of my show, I'll recap the rest of the NHL Round 1 playoffs and as well the NBA Round 1 playoffs. For right now, in my music break, I just have the one song. It's The Eagles and Hotel California. You're listening to CMRU.ca by students for you.
camping on ice And she said We are all just prisoners here Of our own device And in the master's chambers They gathered for the feast They stab it with their stealing eyes But they just can't CMRU.ca has new shows just for you. From retro to your favorite meme songs, tune in here at CMRU.ca. Bye, students, for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. I got to talk about the Flames for a while there just because it had to be said as a Flames fan. But anyway, there were seven other first-round series in the NHL first round. And again, I'll recap the second round of the NHL playoffs in a future show. Same thing with the NBA second round, because I definitely have a lot to say, especially about the NBA second round, because I think that's a lot more intriguing to me. But for today, I'm, because I'd run out of time, I'm just going to do round one recaps, because I wasn't able to do that, obviously, with my show on break between winter semester and now spring semester. So, 
the first round of the NHL playoffs. Now, this was actually really exciting for people who got to watch the first round of the NHL playoffs. There were a lot of really fun series. And this was the year of the upset, plain and simple. So there's seven of them. I'm going to try and quickly recap each series in about a minute or so. So I'm going to try and do that as best I can. I'm going to start with the Columbus-Tampa Bay series, which had to be one of the biggest upsets maybe in NHL history. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the President's Trophy this year and tied the record for most wins ever in a regular season. They were swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. And I think for me, it's kind of nice that Calgary losing to Colorado is like a completely secondary story to the fact that Tampa Bay got swept. Because if if the Flames choke job was really bad, Tampa Bay's was infinitely worse. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a great regular season team lose that badly in a playoff series in the first round by a team they should have easily beaten. But you know what? Got to give credit to Columbus because this was a team that I think had chemistry problems down the stretch because the Blue Jackets, for those of you who don't know, their team is full of players who are going to be free agents this summer. And so their GM elected to go all in at the deadline. Jarmo Kekalainen, the Finnish general manager for the Columbus Blue Jackets, went all in acquiring Duchesne, Dezingle, McQuaid at the deadline. And it came together for them in this first round series against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they were able to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's just, yeah. I don't think hardly anybody saw this coming because this result basically ruined like 95% of people's playoff brackets. But anyway, credit to Columbus and Tampa Bay. I don't know if there's a worse loss by a great regular season team. I really don't know. Just because this is probably number one in as far as terrible losses by a team that broke records. Anyway, the next series in the East was Toronto and Boston. And this was a little bit of deja vu because once again, this series went to seven. And once again, Boston won in seven games because Boston seemed to mentally have a edge over Toronto. The one thing I will say about the Leafs, Austin Matthews showed up this time which I think is a good sign for them. John Tavares was the only guy who scored in Game 7, but certainly I think played a very good series for Toronto. It's just the Maple Leafs had a big missed opportunity in Game 6 when they were up 3-2, couldn't close the deal at home. Nazem Kadri getting suspended did not help them at all. And ultimately, I think Boston just have that mental advantage. And you know what? Maybe Toronto... They showed me a lot. I think the Maple Leafs look better coming out of this series than they did a year ago, if that makes sense. Just because I think there's a lot more positives to take. But certainly, a lot of question marks, especially with the future of the Toronto Maple Leafs and their salary cap situation this summer. Carolina and Washington also went to seven games. This was a really interesting series. The first two games, Washington won at home. The second two games, Carolina won at home. Game five, Washington killed them at home. Carolina then killed Washington at home in Game 6. In Game 7, it went to double overtime, and the difference 
was Mr. Game 7 himself producing a moment of genius as Mr. Justin Williams set up the game-winning goal in double overtime to send Carolina into the second round and knock out the defending cup champions. The New York Islanders, meanwhile, swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I don't think the Islanders winning was that much of a surprise as it was how they won, because I don't think anybody thought they'd sweep Pittsburgh. And I think there's... It might be a little premature to say this, but Pittsburgh's championship window may have closed for their core because that was really bad. The Islanders, full credit to them, played great. That arena was just rocking for their home games. And Jordan Eberle, and I know at every like Oilers fan's expense, but he played really well in this series as well for the Islanders, and they... Ended up sweeping Pittsburgh and advancing to the second round. To the Western Conference, the Nashville Predators took on the Dallas Stars. This ended up being a win in six for Dallas as Nashville, I think, just couldn't get consistency. And you know what? Dallas, their big players came to play. Mito Heiskanen was brilliant in defense for Dallas. Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, I mean... Those guys, they played tremendous. And for Nashville, I think they just needed more out of Rene and their top four in defense. I think they really needed more production out of those guys because I think the Stars score too many goals for how good Nashville's defense and goaltending is supposed to be. But anyway, congratulations. Full credit again. Dallas fully deserving champions in that series. The Winnipeg Jets took on the St. Louis Blues in the other Central Division matchup. And, well, the Jets lost in six. And it's really disappointing for Winnipeg, who had Stanley Cup aspirations after going to the conference finals a year ago. But in the end, it was just, I think, inconsistency. And kind of similarly to Calgary, a lot of Winnipeg's best players didn't show up. Linus certainly did, which I think was surprising. But Shifley... Wheeler, they needed to be better in this series. And Connor Hellebuck, too, I think also needed to be better for Winnipeg. St. Louis, though, this team, they just have their groove going. Bennington played really well in this series. And, I mean, they're getting a lot of depth production in this from this Blues team. So I think St. Louis, they're definitely a team to keep an eye on going forward. And then finally, the last series in the NHL first round, San Jose versus Vegas. And this had a lot of controversy to it because in Game 7, there was the five-minute penalty that gave the Sharks a power play that they scored a whole ton of goals on to tie the game. And it ended up being an overtime winning goal by Goudreau, not Goudreau of Calgary, but Goudreau of San Jose. um, Different spelling, but slightly similar pronunciations. And the Golden Knights, they had a 3-1 series lead, but couldn't seal the deal. A double overtime loss in Game 6 at home, and an overtime loss in Game 7. And they had these games, but I think for Vegas... The problem was really their best line in the series was Paul Stastny, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone, who were great for five games. And they went ice cold in game six and game seven. 
And I think that ultimately was part of the reason why Vegas ended up losing that first round series. San Jose advancing to the second round. That's pretty much all I have to say about the NHL first round. I'll recap the NBA playoffs round one coming up in my last segment. For right now, just the one song in my music break, Wolf Mother with Joker and the Thief. Find something you recognize on cmru.ca. By students, for you.
Welcome back to Moments of Genius. I just have one more segment left in my show, and that is discussing the NBA playoffs first round. Again, I'll get to the second round of the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs in a future show. I just wanted to talk only about the first rounds today, just so I could get to actually talk about them and not just mention what happened, essentially. So... Anyway, the NBA playoffs, I'll start in the Eastern Conference. The Toronto Raptors, this was a really weird stat. I actually didn't know this, but this was on Sportsnet. And apparently the Raptors have never gone up 3-1 in a series before. They've also never won a playoff series in less than six games. This year was a first because they beat the Orlando Magic in five games. They lost the first game. DJ Augustine hit a crazy game-winning shot in game one. But Kawhi Leonard, I mean, there's a reason playoff Kawhi is a thing. And he did win the finals MVP in 2014. So, I mean, this guy's pretty good. He's, he's exactly what Toronto have been waiting for in a superstar for forever in the playoffs. Just because load management looks to be working, to be honest. I mean, he's been just absolutely sensational for them. And in this series especially, Pascal Siakam, I mean, this guy, if he doesn't win most improved, I don't know what the voters are thinking because he is truly a star on the rise. Kyle Lowry, I thought, outside of Game 1, he was... Game 1, Kyle Lowry was awful in this series against the Magic. But in the other games, I felt like he played really well. Marcus Gasol, I thought, absolutely dominated, and especially his defense. Marcus Gasol, I think the defense has been the biggest thing he's brought to this Raptors team. And then, I mean, you get good contributions all around. It was a comfortable win for the Raptors. The rest of the East, sadly, it pretty much went as people thought it would. Milwaukee swept Detroit, sadly, for the Pistons. Blake Griffin, their best player, he was hurt coming into the series. He tried to play for two games, but when your best player is injured like that, it's hard enough to beat a team as good as the Milwaukee Bucks. Boston surprised me. They won the series in a sweep. I didn't... I obviously thought Boston would win, but I didn't think it would be that close. I didn't think it would be that much of a blowout, I should say. Indiana really missed Oladipo, though. They needed a guy to close. Sadly, didn't get that. Kyrie Irving was tremendous in this series. Philadelphia, similarly to Toronto, lost game one to Brooklyn, but ended up rebounding and winning the next four quite comfortably over the Nets and advancing. In the West, Golden State won their series a little longer than most people would have thought, but credit to the Clippers. They played just as hard as you can. Lou Williams was great in this series, but the Warriors, just too much talent. They ended up winning in six. The Houston Rockets beat the Utah Jazz in five games. Again, kind of a deja vu series, similar to a year ago. James Harden, a little up up and down in the series for the Rockets, but they got enough contributions out of their supporting cast to win these games. Denver-San Antonio was the one series that I think most people thought would go seven, and it did. And this was back and forth, but the Denver Nuggets, Jamal Murray, Canadian basketball player, he's really good. And the Nuggets ended up advancing thanks to his efforts and, as of course, Nikola Jokic's. And then Portland beat OKC in five games. Damian Lillard produced a moment of genius when he had a tie game in Game 5 at home 
and he pulled up from the logo and hit a three-pointer and win the game. Nothing more I can say about that. It was just truly a moment of genius. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. I just have one last song to finish the day. It's Imagine Dragons and On Top of the World. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today. And again, I will be on the air all spring and summer long recapping the biggest moments in sports. I'm on top of the world.